Hi, Avril here from Access Credit Union. We are delighted to once again sponsor the Star Sports Podcast. As part of our range of new business loans, we now offer Cultivate Farm Finance, the farmer-friendly loan package. With a Cultivate loan, farmers in West Cork can benefit from the local decision-making and personal service offered by Access Credit Union. To find out more, go to accesscu.ie forward slash cultivate, call me on 085 268 2727 or 028 21883, where a member of our team will be happy to help you with your inquiry. Close your eyes and pull like a dog. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarthy. Before we kick things off, I'd just like to give a gentle reminder to our listeners and viewers to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you in association with our friends at Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, where your bank really does matter. Choose the credit union, choose local, choose community. And just one more piece of housekeeping I want to flag at the top of the show because the powers that be at the Southern Star have got in my ear and told me we had to share the news of our brilliant supplement that's coming free in this week's Southern Star. It's a 24-page centenary special on the death of Michael Collins. So that's free with this week's Southern Star. It's called Death of a Legend and it's 24 pages of historical goodness. So keep an eye out for that one. On this week's show, we're looking ahead to a busy weekend in the Football County Championships with ex-Cork footballer Michal Hawley O'Sullivan. Hawley's going to join us to look ahead to Castlehaven against Nemo Rangers, Clonakilty even against Town, Carberry Rangers against Aero Og, Island Rovers against O'Donovan Rossa, and the Dohanies against Bandon. We're also going to look back on Cork's heartbreaking loss to Kilkenny in the All-Ireland Camogie final last Sunday with Elaine Aylward, a resident of West Cork who won an All-Star playing for Kilkenny back in 2009. Later on the show, we'll be joined by Olympic rowing royalty as bronze medalist from the Tokyo Games, Emily Hegarty, <clears throat> stops by ahead of the European Rowing Championships that kick off in Munich later this week. So it's so much to get stuck into this week here, and we won't ramble on for too long at the top of the show. But I do have to briefly ask you about the return of the Premier league last weekend were you pleased with how bravely the minnows manchester united fought in their defeat against heavyweights brighton and hove albion next question please <laughs> the more the more things change the more it is to say to stay the same jack it's just yeah i had reasons for optimism i was kind of not hugely optimistic but mildly optimistic but that optimism was beaten out of me by Brighton on Sunday. So they may as well just kind of cancel the rest of the season now because unless United can 
can work miracles in the transfer market um, in the, the weeks ahead. It could be a long, long season for Man United fans. So um, I'm not going to say too much. I'll be I'll be quite Man United fan this year again for the tenth season in a row. And um, well, you were quite loud on social media during the pre-season build-up. I was even tagged in one of your tweets. I saw you having. A nice back and forth with several Liverpool fans after United smashed Liverpool in a friendly out in Thailand, that bastion of Premier League glory. So uh, you've already softened your cough after one week. 100%. Like that was a, that was a schoolboy mistake I made, just getting like Tin Hag's era. I was thinking, I think we're, we're going Dutch, we're Dutch gold. Here we go. We're back. Um, obviously, we're not back. We're, we're, we're a long way from back. Um, it's a long way to the top of the mountain from where we are. So you, mu- you must be inter- you must be excited about the prospect of Marco Arnautovic lining up at Old Trafford in the coming weeks. Well, the good news that's already been. I think the detonella sounded for that move. United fans and so on have have um, kind of so they've they've risen up against the thought of Arnautovic, a thirty three year old player from Bologna. Like that's the level United are at now, trying to coax those players to Old Trafford. But no, kind of tongue in cheek. Obviously, things things aren't great there at the moment. But I am optimistic for the future. Not so much this season. I think it's going to be, uh, I suppose, ups and downs, more, more downs than ups. But we'll eventually get back. I have to stay optimistic because it's the hope that kills you. And as a Liverpool fan yourself, over the years, you probably know that better than anyone. So you may as well enjoy these couple of seasons because eventually the wheel turns and Old Trafford will be back on top but not for a while unfortunately well the much more important football this weekend is in the county championship and as I mentioned Hawley's going to join us in a moment to preview some of the big games and there are some really juicy encounters to look forward to this weekend no more so than the big West Cork derby between Ireland Rovers and O'Donovan Rossick here and this is a mouth-watering prospect for football fans right across West Cork no more so than those in the Southern Stars stronghold down in the Skibbereen Baltimore Church Cross area so you looking forward to this one? 100% I think we christened it El Skibico a couple of months back when we were previewing some of the derbies to look forward to and this is a big game of course it's it's a huge local derby O'Donovan Rossa against Island Rovers two big Football clubs going head to head at senior level hasn't happened in a in a good while when it when it comes to the championship. But what makes this more interesting too is the fact there's so much on the line already because this is the second um, second round of games in the in the group stage of the senior A football championship. Skibbereen had a super winning against Newmarket in their first round. Um, unfortunately, Island Rovers lost to Clyde in their opening game, so the pressure is on Island coming into this game because they know another loss here, and all of a sudden they could be facing another relegation battle. While on the other hand, Donovan Ross know if they can get one over Island, then they're they've they they have I think they're almost guaranteed to be the other result um to to get through to the knockout stages. So there's there's an awful lot on the line besides the all important bragging rights, and, and like you know yourself, like. Donovan and Rossa, there's not too far between the clubs geographically, but even for the players involved, you know, they kind of they live in Skib, they work in Skib, you know, kind of even the West Cork League, the Baltimore against uh, against Skib games are always tasty. So there's there's a nice healthy rivalry there, and all roads lead to Castlehaven this Sunday. And the good news is the weather will be shining. We should have a good crowd there, and hopefully the game will live up to it as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's the headline fixture of the weekend, but there's loads more to look forward to. So let's hear now from me Hall. Holly O'Sullivan, who's been speaking to Kieran. Okay, Holly, starting with the group of date, it's Group C of the Premier Senior Football Championship. So let's go straight to Saturday evening, Clannacilty, 7 pm. 
It's the clash of Nemo Rangers and Castlehaven, two of the title favourites this year. Huge game for both. They both won their first round game too, so the pressure's off, maybe. So how do you see this one playing out? Well, I suppose Nemo seem to be in uh, in great form this year. They had a fantastic league campaign. They, they haven't lost a game yet this year, despite being without their um, Cork contingent. But I suppose it was a huge bonus into the likes of Luke Candy and Paul Kerrigan play for them, playing for them in the league all along. Um, I think they're in a better place at this time of year than, than Castlehaven are because Castlehaven, you know, with the Collins playing hurling and with Rory Maguire and Brian Hurley with Cork, James Mack might not have had as much chance to integrate basically a third of his team, um, you know, over the last five, six weeks only. So, look, traditionally, Castlehaven and Nemo is always very close. Castlehaven no fear of Nemo. Nemo don't like to travel. Um, as we saw, you know, a couple of years back there over in um, Dunmanway, uh, Castlehaven gave him a lesson when they had to travel down there. Um, I think, you know, potentially these two could meet again further down the line. But I think on this occasion, Nemo are in a better place than Castlehaven and will we'll take this game. You mentioned that game in Dunmanway a couple of years ago. That was, I think, 2018. Haven won, won 11 to 4 points. And Nemo were counting Munster champions at, at that time. It just shows that under day, Haven, that they're as good as, as what is in the county right now. And is this a chance for Haven, even though they might be a bit undercooked, like you say, just to almost for them to try and kind of fire a statement of intent to show that they're a team to be reckoned with this year? Well, there's, there's no doubt about that because they wouldn't have been happy with their, their first round performance against Clan. Um, I think they, they just did enough to stay ahead of Clan, knowing that Clan, you know, haven't got the firepower up front with, with their O'Shea leaving. Um, they could have been caught in the end in that game. You know, there were late chances of goals for 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 Clan, and if they were caught, it would have been a terrible result for them. But, <clears throat> you know, they they, 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 need, they need to put 50% on the performance against Clan to trouble Nima. Um, because Nemo are, you know, o- openly they are saying that they are going very well themselves. It might be early in the year for them to be going so well and will they maintain it until the end? But, you know, it it, it will be tight and tough and it will uh, draw a huge crowd, but it will be an early season marker for Castlehaven to see where they are. That's a huge game. So this Saturday in Clan and in the same group, massive game for Clan Kilty and Newcestown in Bendon, two o'clock on Sunday. Both of these teams need wins Holly. they both lost their first round games Clown went down to Haven Newstown went down to Nemo like this is most win territory for both uh, there's no doubt about that um, if, 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 whichever one of these teams lose this game potentially are going to finish bottom of the table and could be facing uh, you know the, those final relegation playoff games which no, nobody wants um, you know Clan, Clan need to do something to try and score more whether that means they're going to have to push a Sean White further forward or a Tom Clancy further forward, considering that they they, they, they have a very talented backline and probably have enough at the back to match what Newcestown will have up front. Um, Tyke Toomey didn't play in the first game for Newcestown, but he's played hurling since, so I presume he, he, he will be back playing football for Newcestown. He is still a key forward for them. So, look, it'll be whoever whoever scores more. Um, I think this will probably be a low-scoring encounter, very defensive. Newstone will earmark this one as a chance for them to get out of the blocks and get two points on the board also heading into the last game. But, you know, I think last year's run, even though Clan are finding it hard to get going this year, last year's run will benefit Clan and the experience of going to a county final last year um, should take them over the line on this occasion. How do you think Clan can... I suppose cope with the last Darrow Shea top scorer the last couple of seasons with him, but he's gone back to his home club on Gale took to in Kerry. So Clanner without that scoring power up front. What can they do just to, to put more scores on the board, Holly? 
Well, Connor Daly was featuring off the bench last year. He, he was the Cork under 20s uh, this season. He's a very talented player, but he is a young player. He got three points against Castlehaven. Um, the likes of, of Mannix and, and McAvoy, who were very, very good for them last year, you know, don't seem to be in the same place yet this year with regard to fitness and all the rest of it. Um, look, he might be faced with, you know, pushing Sean White to centre forward or bringing Tom Clancy to midfield to try and get a bit more forward momentum, considering they still have the likes of Shenley and, and Dan Pete and these boys behind that should be able to hold down those, those central positions to try and get a bit more, um, a bit more go forward ball and, and a bit more penetration up front. There's a doubleheader in Bendon on Sunday. The second game is a huge game in Group A of the Premier Senior Football Championship. It's Carby Rangers against Aero Oak. So in this group, in the in the opening round, Rangers beat Carrigaline first day out. Aero Oak are on the back foot after losing to the Bears. When they played in Bendon last year, Aero Oak just, just up out of Senior A won. So talk to Holly about what you think will happen here in Bendon on Sunday. Well, I think Airog have been on the go now with a number of years in a row, and, and we and Ross know all about that from, from back in our time when we were on the go three or four years in a row. You know, they, they had that bounce of coming up to Premier Senior and getting their first win and making a quarterfinal last year. Um, John Cooper seemingly is, is out injured, hasn't played hurling in the intervening two weeks. Um, the two Murphys have been in America, seemingly they're back, but, you know, will they feature? Um they don't seem to be playing with the same zip as, as, as they were playing last year. The Bears got over them easier than what they thought they would. Last year, another big one was, you know, John Cooper did a great job on John O'Rourke. You know, John O'Rourke is very important to, to Ross, so if John Cooper isn't there, they could be forced to put uh, Mark Griffin and John O'Rourke, depending where John plays, you know. So I, I, I think, you know, it, it also depends then if, if Ross have James Fitzpatrick back. He only came out in the first round. He's been carrying an injury. Uh, James O'Reardon is back from America, but only recently will he feature. Um, Mark Hadnett is getting there from his cruciate injury, getting close to, to match fitness, but it will, will, will this game have come too soon for him? But, you know, this, this is a huge game for us and their all, obviously, but Ross, Ross beat Carrigaline in the first round. If they can get over this one, they'll have four points on the, on the board before they meet the Bears in a quarterfinal slot secured. You know, so look, it's a huge game. Now, I think if Ross beat Airog, Airog will probably beat Carrigaline, so Airog will be safe enough. But, you know, this is, having got that first win under their belt and a team in transition and a few guys coming back in, John Hayes maybe getting that little bit fitter. Um, I think Ross can get over the line here if they bring it. Good stuff. Going to drop down out to the Senior A Football Championship and all roads lead to Castlehaven on Sunday. Huge showdown at two o'clock. Island Rovers against O'Donnell Rossa. A big derby there in Group A. So much at stake here, Holly. Island are coming up a loss to Clyde in their first game, although they were happy with the performance while O'Donnell Rossa were far too strong for Newmarket. So there's a lot on the line for both, almost more so. Island, considering their, I suppose, their form in the group stages in the last couple of years and another defeat here could put them in another relegation fight. So how do you see this one playing out? Well, I suppose Ireland seem to be on a, a bit of a downward spiral at the moment, you know, having been relegated from the Premier Senior last year, relegated to Division 3 in the league. Um, they had a good performance against Ireland but, or against um, Clyde. But, you know, it's hard to turn it back on with, in, 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 in the flick of a switch. Um, Skib would have been disappointed with their season last year, not getting out of the group. Um, Donny's beat them handy and, uh, you know, Donny's qualified over that group. But I think this year, you know, they, they're they more experienced players like David Shannon and Don Log Haddon and Paddy Crowley seem to be fitter and, and hungrier and 
you know, those younger guys like Elliot Connolly and, and Dylan Horan are, are, are playing good football. They seem to have more of a buzz about them this year. So I think uh, it will be hard fought and it will be, you know, in local derbies, we don't know how it's going to go off, if goals go in either side. But I think Skip can get over this one. Like you've managed, obviously, at, at a really high level with Carby Rangers. And when you're preparing as a manager for a game like this, a huge local derby, for the players, how do you separate the occasion from the game? Because... I suppose outside of the camp, there will be excitement locally around Skibbereen and around Ireland and so on, because these, this is a big, this is a big local derby and bragging rights are at stake. But within the camps themselves for the for the different management teams, how would they get the lads just to focus in that there's a game here in Castlehaven two o'clock on Sunday and forget about all the noise outside? Well, I suppose the, with, with, with any game in the championship, the focus is on, on the performance. If your performance is up to scratch, more than likely the result will come and if it doesn't you can't be overly disappointed if you have performed so that's the absolute key thing for both Jason Willie and Gina Donovan that their their team are focusing on performing themselves you know grand you'll pick out elements in the opposition that you'll be trying to negatize and then your, your own strength you'll be trying to promote but it's all about performance and look both teams are going to be up for it if they're not up for it there's something seriously wrong so it should be a huge battle and finally on Friday in senior aid Dawn is abandoned meet again in the in the football championship, the third mm. season in a row that these two have met. This time, Ballinacarga at seven thirty. Both need a win in Group B, as neither one in the opening round. Donny's drew with Bellingiri, and Bandon lost to Kish game. What do you see happening here this time? Well, Donny's um, draw with Bellingiri was, you know, they could have won that game. They were ahead, but he's got an equaliser in the finish. But you know, the Bellingiri were on a, a high, having won the Camartas Pennegalticta, and they're team that have been playing Division 1 in the league for the last number of years, so Donnie's would have taken a lot of confidence from that. Um, I think Donnie's are a team on the up. You know, they're a young team. They have good forwards and the likes of Mark Buckley and Fionn Hurley and, and Keith White and Marky Quinn is back from Australia. Um, I think all their players are fit. Benden, I think they've, that, 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 they have more options up front in the three or four that I named there, whereas Benden, you know, went through a very good spell. They could be a team that are looking like they might be uh, living out um, they're dependent on Barry Collins up front for their scores. Mark Shukru or Mark Sugru hasn't featured yet this year, whether he will or not. I think he was named as a sub in one of the hurling games there recently. Um, they are physically very powerful, but considering the weekend is going to be so good. And, you know, if you're going to have hard surface on the pitch and the sun shining, I think Donny's going to have too much legs for him and, and, and too much hunger. Um, they're, they're a team looking to, looking to improve. Delighted to be joined by Avril Condell of Access Credit Union, who's here to tell us a little bit about Cultivate Farm Finance. So Avril, maybe just give us a brief introduction to what Cultivate Farm Finance actually is. So Cultivate is a collaboration of 40 credit unions uh, throughout Ireland. Um, West Cork has both Access Credit Union and Bantry Credit Union. Uh, the loan itself is up to 75,000 unsecured uh, for seven years is the max term, but obviously can be uh, personalised and customised to each individual's needs. Um, it's a great facility actually for, for farmers and um, because it covers cash flow and machinery purchases, like there's a fertiliser crisis now, as we know. And um, so literally anything that is required for the farm can be covered by this loan. The, the rate is very competitive and uh, we can match the, the repayment term and the um, repayment frequency to each individual farmer depending on their enterprise um, and you also have the benefit of the life cover that comes with the credit union loan which I think is very important for people these days at no extra cost. And if I'm a farmer and I'm listening to you on this podcast today 
how can I get involved? So if you're not sure of which credit union um, you're involved with, you can go to Cultivate Credit Union directly, which is www.cultivate-cu.ie, or you can phone 1800-839-999. And if Access is your credit union, you can contact me directly. So it's avril at accesscu.ie, or you can ring me on 085-268-2727. There were heartbreaking scenes for the Cork Camogie players in Croke Park on Sunday as they were defeated by Kilkenny in the All-Ireland Final. And in a few moments, we're going to speak to someone who's very well-placed to analyse the game. 2009 All-Star Elaine Elward, who played her Camogie with Kilkenny, but now calls Enniskeen home. But before we hear from Elaine Kieran, I want to briefly touch on something that really made a lot of headlines in the aftermath of the game, something that's often the case after all Ireland finals. The Sunday game almost gets more coverage than the game itself. And the big talking point this week were the comments of former Cork Komogi boss, Paddy Murray, who asked on to do a job, do some punditry on the Sunday game after the game. He spoke about Cork's approach, their tactics, and how he was surprised that they went with a sweeper. The actual quote he gave to Des Cal was, I think the biggest issue this year is they went with a sweeper. It puzzled me because if you look at our six backs, I think we had enough pace to counter any of the opposition. I wouldn't say overly flagrant comments, but there was a lot of blowback on social media in particular with people almost taking offense on behalf of the Cork side based on the comments of the former Cork manager. So before we hear from Elaine, maybe let's just put this talking point to bed. What did you make of Paddy's comments? Were you offended by his Sunday game appearance or did you think it was more of just a storm in a teacup? I'd say storm in a teacup, to be honest, Jack. I've talked to Paddy Murray for, for years and years and what you see is what you get with the man. He's very, very honest and open and very forthright in his opinions. And he was asked what he thought of the game and he gave an honest to give an honest opinion. And two of us were just talking off air earlier about Roy Keane's chat on off the ball last week and on about punditry and so on. Like in like you made a point that when you're paid to give your when you're paid to be a pundit and you're paid to give your opinion, you want to tell the truth. And there's no point sugarcoating and trying to trying to butter things up. And I thought Paddy was very, very honest in his opinion. And to be honest, I think the the, the Cork players who have played under him for the last 10 years before this year, they know what Paddy's like. They've first hand experience of Paddy over 10 seasons. They know how honest and critical he is because they they worked with that man inside out like 10 seasons. They did some great day, great days with him. Lots of four all Ireland. So I think he was uh, probably a disappointed Cork man on, on Sunday, like so many Cork fans, that it just didn't work out. I think he was talking openly and honestly. He, he, gave, he gave his opinion. Some people obviously didn't like it. They said it was too soon. It was too raw. It was um, He shouldn't have said that about his former players. But the thing is with Paddy, and I'm not speaking for him, I think he'd say that to them anyway. He's, 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 he's that sort of man. Like he's not, he's not backwards in coming forward. You ask him for his opinion, he's not going to sugarcoat, sugarcoat it. He'll tell you the truth. So... I didn't think too much. When I saw it blow up on Sunday night on social media, I was tempted for a second to tweet. But then, almost like that tweet I sent ages ago about the Liverpool fans that you reminded me about there earlier, Jack, I just stopped myself because I was just thinking, that's just Paddy giving his honest opinion. So um, I wasn't I, I wasn't offended by it. And I don't think too, too many others would be offended by it either, to be quite honest. Well, that's that put to bed. A much more important talking point is the game itself. And you've been speaking to 2009 all-star Elaine Aylward 
about Cork's loss. The search for the happiest Kilkenny woman in West Cork is now over. We have found her. We're joined by Kilkenny Camogie great Elaine Aylward, a familiar face um, in Inneskeen and in West Cork these last couple of years. Have a look back at last weekend's epic All-Ireland Senior Camogie final. Kilkenny beat Cork by a point in the end. It went all the way right down to the wire. So talk to me first, Elaine, about those dramatic final couple of moments. Like Those last five minutes were epic. I suppose it was always going to take something special to beat Amy Lee and I suppose everyone thought it was going to be a special kind of a shot or something but it turned out to be a fluke I suppose uh, she couldn't have predicted it or she couldn't have done any more about it I think and Sophie Dwyer was quickest to react and that goal then just put that little bit of daylight between them but even at that you know there was a free Denise Gall had to step up to having missed a couple of frees and stood up to it really well I suppose Mary Wells did really well to win the free initially and then even coming into the, the 65th minute Ashton Thompson won that ball or got that ball from Fiona Keating in the middle of the field and took off and the green space at Crow Park opened up in front of her and I suppose look in hindsight she probably had another 10 or 15 yards to carry it and I think had she got it even into contact she probably would have won a free for herself and given Amy O'Connor a chance to slot the equaliser but look you're in the last seconds of an All-Ireland final I suppose she knew the clock was against her got the shot away and Look, unfortunately for Cork, or fortunately from Kilkenny point of view, it just dropped to the right-hand side and wide. But for a game, I suppose, that had been level five or six times throughout that second half, it did literally come down to that 65th-minute shot. And I think we were all resigned to maybe the fact that we were coming back for another day and another go at it. But look, from a Kilkenny point of view, to eventually come out on, on the good side of a bit of luck in a final against Cork, it makes a change. Like you said, over the last couple of years, thinking back a few years ago, it was Cork that came out the right side of one point wins against Kilkenny and Kilkenny's turn this time. But... In a game like this, Lane, it's such fine margins. Um, Denise Gall's free to, to 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 win the game. That score, like that, just shows the, the character because a lot of pressure on, on on a shot like that, isn't there? Yeah, there is, and like she hadn't been going well. You know, she had a poor enough semi final on the freeze as well, and I suppose at the end of the semi final, popped up back in her own defence and got a couple of really vital hooks and blocks against Galway, and did the same on Sunday. You know, she'd given over the free taking duties to Katie Nolan uh, midway through the first half. There was a lot more pressure on it then, but even after the minute and it was a free, handy enough free by Denise's own standards that she could have maybe converted to give Kilkenny that one point lead to get them in front eventually. And that one went wide for her. But the very next ball, she pops up under the Cusick stand over the far side, wins a hook, wins a block gets that ball in and she actually starts that initial move for the goal. So I suppose it's the real sign of a good character and a good leader in that team. And look at the girl who has been around that team a long time. She suffered the heartache of a lot of those one point defeats to Cork. So the minute the free was missed, she got back over, did her job, got the ball back in. And then, as you said, to have the nerve to stand up to that free when she really, really needed it. And Ashton Thompson wasn't too far away from her in front of her, when, giving her a few words of encouragement, I'm sure, as she was going to shoot it. But look, that's just the character that's in that Kilkenny team and especially in players like Denise Gall. Great celebrations in Kilkenny, obviously, obviously this week after last Sunday, but heartbreak here in Cork. When, when Cork are looking back at this game and when they're reflecting on the big moments, where do you think they'll think that it went wrong for them? People were saying to me afterwards and I was saying, look, that's never going to happen Cork again. Cork are never going to go 20 minutes of an All-Ireland final or semi-final without scoring. And they did. And I suppose ultimately that'll be what they'll look back on most. That'll cost them. But even saying that, they did so well to get themselves back into that game in the first half. You know, they went six points to nil down. As I said, hadn't scored in that first 20 minutes and then rattled off 1-4 before half time to go in level. So look, from their point of view, I suppose to even get back shows the character of that Cork team to get back level. And look, we said it, going down the home straight, I think everyone was resigned to the fact that we were getting to a draw and for Cork to be able to have dug out a draw even out of that having gone the six points down would have been massive for them but yeah if they're to look back on it I suppose it's the opening 20 minutes they'll really regret 
you think those exertions and in, in, in putting back that six point gap, like you said, they were okay, Cork level by by half time, but they did go six points down, and they took a hell of an effort to get back level. I think one forty seven points at half time. Do you think those exertions could have told in the second half? Yeah, probably a little bit. And actually, it was I suppose it gave them a bit of impetus coming into halftime. And if anything, halftime probably came a bit quick for Cork. You know, the real momentum was with them. And it was Kilkenny that looked like they were gasping for breath coming up to halftime. And so as they got their final point around the 21st minute, I think Mikhail Keneally got um, a point in response to Fiona Keating's goal. And Kilkenny then went the rest of that first half without scoring and didn't score again for a couple of minutes into the second half. So look, I suppose from a Kilkenny point of view, if they had lost, they'd go back and they'd look at those 10 minutes before halftime and say they didn't really play for those 10 minutes. But yeah, Cork probably did have to chase the game a little bit from then but even going into the second half they had a lot of it in their own control you know they were the ones that were constantly going the point up and asking Kilkenny to respond but I suppose just whatever it is about this Kilkenny team they're dogged they just don't go away so every time they got Cork went the point up Kilkenny were able to get that equalising score and it really wasn't until the goal I suppose that allowed Kilkenny that little bit of comfort to kick on could be a short winter in Kilkenny. Unfortunately, it could be a long winter here in Cork after, after this result. Then, if we're looking at the last couple of years, it's been Kilkenny, Galway, Cork. They've been the top three in Camogie. But Cork are now third place in the picking order. And they've been that for the last couple of years because, I suppose, unfortunately for Cork, time and time again in the finals, they're just coming up short. It's either Kilkenny or Galway are just beating them in, in the big games. Watching needs to happen for Cork just to take that final step. Because, like we said, it's fine margins and they're so, so close. Yeah, it is. And it has been those three for the last look. And I suppose it's it's fickle enough. We'll, we'll all be talking about Cork and Kilkenny this week and Galway will nearly fade a little bit into the distance. But come the championship next year, they'll all be back at level playing fields again. You know, they're probably going to, I think Galway will be boosted by the um, the intermediates winning at the weekend. There's a lot of them, 18, 19, 20 year olds, they're going to step up into the Galway senior panel. So you'd imagine their panel is going to be um, deepened by that next year. And that's probably an area Cork need to look at. You know, their panel is, is probably not as strong maybe as the Galway's and the Kilkenny's at the moment. But look, they've had under 16 and minor All-Irelands in the last couple of months in Cork as well. So I'm sure a lot of those minors will start to make the step up. And look, from their point of view, the intermediate team, I suppose, is is probably a more experienced team. There's probably not as much youth in that that's going to make the step up to, to the to the senior team next year so from a Cork point of view I'd be looking to maybe some of those minors and trying to introduce some of them and just trying to strengthen the panel a little there's so little between these teams like Cork you know beaten by a point at the weekend I suppose Drew Kilkenny earlier in the year beaten in the league final by Galway but there's so little between those three top teams it really is the fine margins From the Cork perspective again so who impressed you on this Cork team Team, I see Matthew Toomey said after he singled out Fiona Keating, said she'd one of her best games in a Cork jersey and she finished with one too. Um, who stood out for you from a Cork, Cork perspective? Yeah, I think Libby Coppinger has really, you know, she had a huge battle on Sunday with Miriam Walsh, as does anyone who takes on Miriam at full back. But both in the semi-final and final, I thought Libby had a really great game. And I think she's really developed into a superb full back for Cork. You know, it's probably a, a position they struggled with a little bit when Laura Tracy moved out to centre back to replace Gemma O'Connor. And there was a bit of a void at full back there for a while. But I think Libby has really, really developed into that role. And she's a really solid number three for them there. I thought Katrina Mackey probably brought her best game of the year on Sunday and that's what Katrina Mackey does you know come the big games she steps up and, and she gets super scores and it was when she really started running at Kilkenny midway through that first half that she started asking questions and I suppose that's where Fiona Keating stepped up as well it was those really really strong runs so for me they were probably the standout players look Amy O'Connor was 100% on her freeze 100% accuracy you couldn't falter anymore 
probably didn't get into the game maybe from open play as much. But again, when she came out into that half forward line and started running and got into a little bit of space, that's Amy O'Connor's game. And I suppose the way Cork have set up this year probably hasn't really suited her as she's a real inside corner forward in my eyes. And she loves taking on the corner back inside close to goal. And, you know, Cork tried to work the ball off, probably didn't suit her as much this year, but she still had an outstanding game on Sunday. Um, Look, they had fine performances all over the field, but I think for me, Libby Coppinger and Katrina Mackey were probably the two that really stood out. Just on Libby Coppinger for a second, obviously she's a St. Collins player down here in Carberry, and it's great, like over the last couple of years, we've had Libby Coppinger emerging, we've had Orla Cronin, an all-star, like Sakira Sullivan from Newcastle on the Cork Senior Panel too. It's just good for Camogie, it's great for Camogie and Carberry that we're, we're having these club players to go on and do it at the highest level. So hopefully that will inspire more more young players around Carberry and West Cork to kind of to just, just to pick up the hurl in the slitter. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what you need is you need role models and you need role models that you can really aspire to, ones that you can see down in your local pitch, I suppose, every Tuesday and Thursday and Sunday morning or whatever it is. And Libby and Orla and Kiro Sullivan, Newstown certainly are those kind of players. And I suppose when a young girl in, in Inneskeen or in Columns or Newstown, wherever it is, sees Orla Cronin down in the field or sees Libby Coppinger, she realises that, you know, it's quite possible. It really is a tangible dream to be able to, to dream to play for Cork. And I suppose they're there for a little bit of experience as well. You know, they'll be huge players for their clubs now when they come back into the club set up as well over the next couple of months so it's huge as I said to have those real life role models in a club Brilliant that's fantastic Elaine thank you so much for joining us on the podcast this week and congrats again on Kilkenny's super success Thanks a million Kieran. Hi Avril here from Access Credit Union We are delighted to once again sponsor the Star Sports Podcast As part of our range of new business loans we now offer Cultivate Farm Finance the farmer friendly loan package with a Cultivate loan, farmers in West Cork can benefit from the local decision-making and personal service offered by Access Credit Union. To find out more, go to accesscu.ie forward slash cultivate, call me on 085 268 2727 or 028 21883, where a member of our team will be happy to help you with your inquiry. Here in the European rowing championships get underway in munich germany this week and in a few moments we're going to hear from olympic bronze medalist emily hegarty who's going to be a part of team ireland in bavaria there's also obviously going to be a lot more west cork interest at these championships as well which you're going to tell us about in a moment but there's also the small matter of some significant athletics action also in the Bavarian capital this week. So what can you tell us about the West Cork contingent heading over to Munich to compete both in the water and on the track? It's a festival of sport in Munich and Germany over the next the next couple of days or week or so. So jumping ahead first to the European Athletics Championships, we have two West Cork athletes there. We have Dara McElhinney who will be in action in the men's 5,000 metres and he's straight through to the final. So that's in the evening session next Tuesday. That's when Dara will be in action there and he's Gunning or hoping for a top eight finish. He's been in superb form all year. I think he set six PBs between indoor and outdoor, which is incredible. He's he's um nearly every run this stage is a, is a national record by him. So he's in top form. And we also have Phil Healy, who is two events. She's in the women's 400 metres, which is starting early next week. I think it's the first session is in Monday morning. And then she's also with the four by 400 metre relay team, which is later in the week. So Phil is in action in two events and Dara is in action in one event. So that's the European Athletics Championships. But before that, we have the Skibbereen Rowers flying the flag at the European 
Rowan Championships that start in Munich this Thursday and they'll run through to Sunday. So we're going to hear from Emily Hegarty quite soon. She's in the women's pair along with Fiona Murta. If we think back, it's just over 12 months ago when Emily won an Olympic bronze medal in the women's four. But herself and Fiona, who are part of that boat, are now in the women's pair this year. So we chat to Emily quite soon about, about why she's in that boat and how she what she hopes to learn from being that boat and how it could help improve the four if she gets back in there and so on. But apart from Emily, the band is back together for the first time since last year. Paula Donovan and Fintan McCarthy are reuniting in the Irish men's lightweight double. Olympic champions, world champions, European champions, Hinley, Royal Regatta champions, you name it, these two have won it. So they're they're back in action together in Munich. We also have... Didi Heafy is in the lightweight women's double with Margaret Crimmon. Um, they were together at World Cup 2 in, in Poznan a couple of weeks back and they did quite well. We also have Eva Casey going in the women's lightweight single. So she'll be in action too. And just think back to last year's Olympics, Eva Casey was in that lightweight double with Mags Crimmon. So it just highlights the, the strength of women's rowing in Ireland right now. And I think 68 crews um, go in action in Munich this week are, are women's crews as well so there's a very strong pool of talent there so yeah it's um our, our I suppose our top rowers and our top athletes are in action on the European stage this week including Emily Hegarty who's coming off the back of a I suppose the greatest year of her life in 2021 and 2022 isn't going too bad either it's a busy week ahead, Emily, with the Europeans. But before we chat about that, we've just gone past the one-year anniversary since you were part of the Irish Women's Four that won that brilliant bronze medal at the Tokyo Games. That was July 28th, just a couple of days ago. So um, was it a date that you marked on your own or even the four of you that you reminisced about? What happened that day in Tokyo? Did you all get together and talk about it? Sure, we were all together at the wrong standard of training anyways for a few weeks ahead. But um, yeah, no, I think it was just kind of realising like the year absolutely flew. Mm. And like kind of so much has happened, but at the same time felt like no time had passed at all. So Joshua, we trade away and wished each other happy 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 birthday, happy anniversary, and kind of got on with the next job at hand. Isn't it surreal to think, Emily? Like twelve months have gone by since since you won that bronze medal. Like where where's the time going? Like could you almost pinch yourself to think that was actually twelve months ago when I was in Tokyo? I won that medal and and you know just changed Irish women's rowing. Yeah, like, I guess, like, sometimes it is still a bit hard to believe, but, um, no, it's exciting. And, like, I really think it's given good momentum for, like, the women's team going forward and, like, the women's team is getting bigger. There's more people joining every year. So, like, hopefully now over the next few years, there'll be another few boats going to Paris. Because that medal was so important for Irish women's rowing, and we spoke about it before. It almost broke the glass ceiling. It was Ireland's first Olympic women's rowing medal. And it's important that medal has a legacy and and a knock-on effect. Um, do you think that it has that it has made a difference to, to women's rowing here in Ireland? Well, I think it had been building over a few years. Like I think kind of come 2018 when I first joined the team, like we would have counted ourselves lucky to have two votes at the Olympics, even two heavy women's votes. But like the fact we got three in the end and a medal was just amazing. And like you even look now, like along with like success that's happening at the senior team, like the under 23 team and the junior team are also doing massive things themselves. So like, hopefully there won't be a stop to it anytime soon. And if you're looking at the Europeans coming up this week, like there's a lot of Irish women's boats going out there with the, the lightweight single with Aoife Casey, the lightweight double, Margaret Crimmon, Lydia Hefe, um, the women's double with Zoe Hyde and, and Sinita. You're in the women's pair with Fiona Murta. There's a women's four as well. And then, and then there's a women's eight as well. Entered. I think that all just highlights the strength of the Irish, uh, of, 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 the, of the squad that you have right now. 
Yeah, and I think as well, like with the size, like the size of the group is such an advantage in terms of training and like being able to pace off each other. And, you know, there's always a good sense of competition and pushing each other on. And we're all kind of aiming for medals at the end of the day. So like the next boat going faster will help you out in the long run too. So it's it's very good that way. And it's really, really nice to have a big group of girls to train with every day too. Like a really, it's a really good environment to push everyone on. So you're entered in the pair with Fiona Murta and, and in that boat, you won a bronze medal at World Cup 2 in Poznan back in June. So talk to me about that boat and how it came about and how it's going so far. Yeah, so I guess um, we, a few of us kind of did our own thing this year in terms of like coming back from Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Some people weren't working, people went back to college, like I went back to college myself. So there was a little bit of more breathing space I'd say for kind of the first few months of the training and not as strict on ourselves and just kind of allowing for a little bit more normal life than we had been having the past few years but um yeah and then it was just kind of once once we got the ball rolling in terms of trials again like we went through the system as we have done every year and kind of just pinned a few boats that we'd like to try so like this year myself and Fiona so far have you never know what like boat we'll be racing in next but like so far we've raced a pair at the world cup and you know it's really good challenge as well to like try something new and whoever like whatever about what happens down the line or in a few years time whatever boat will be in hopefully like it's just it's a good learning experience too and just like getting get it's a good challenge like getting another boat to move fast as well because like there's different challenges in every boat so yeah it's been it's been very like rewarding almost just kind of starting to see things come together Talk to me about those challenges. So, because obviously you hit the headlines in the Irish Women's Four at the last year, you had an incredible year. And besides the obvious difference between the four and, and, and the pair, four rowers compared to two, like what 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 is the big difference for you as a rower? Like, is the dynamic must be totally different when there's two in the boat compared to when there's four of you? Yeah, I guess it's just kind of more of a case of like I must match Fiona in, perf- in front of me perfectly. Like, if one of us goes harder at one particular part of the stroke, like it'll knock the boat and it'll affect steering and everything so it is kind of definitely more of a technical challenge than like in the four when it's a big boat and it's a bit more steady you can just really just work really hard and you don't have to think too much of the technical side when you're in the race but there is still a little bit of making sure like we stay clean together and we just keep on working together because sure if one of us starts to lose one of ourselves it will have a knock-on effect going down the course so um yeah no it's just it's it's been like enjoyable really getting to getting to grips with like getting it moving and stuff and if you can make a, a pair move well, does that help then? If, let's say, you do go back into four, like, did you have benefited a lot from your time in the pair? Yeah, I guess, like, there's two ways of looking at that. Like, you could say, had we been in the four, you know, we could have made massive gains in the four itself and, like, been more together. But then at the same time, when you are in the small boats, it's it's very good for, like, getting to feel the boat and getting to find the most efficient way of moving it. So you can kind of look at it two ways. Like if there's an advantage to being in both situations, whether you move into a big boat or whether you're in a big boat for the whole time. But I would like to think that if we were to go back into a boat, we've learned a lot about like how we make, how we make the boat move ourselves together. So I guess it'd be interesting to hop back into it, but I guess we don't get a choice of that at the end of the day. You mentioned earlier, Emily, about almost experiencing not real life, but almost reality this year, the fact that it's the year after an Olympic, it's it's that year before the Olympic qualification starts next year where, where you can try new things. Like you said, you're going, you're going back to college and so on. But how have you found this year in general, the year after an Olympics coming off the high of Tokyo? Yeah, I guess it was interesting, definitely. Like coming to grips with the reality again and going back to being a full-time student and everything definitely had its challenges. But at the same time, like, you had so much more time to like see your friends outside rowing, like spend time with family and stuff. So definitely, yeah, there was elements, a bit of bit of culture shock to a certain extent where you were in a high performance environment kind of 24-7 back to real life. But 
same time, like it's been a really enjoyable year and like it's really nice to kind of be able to take a step back and realise all the work we put in those years like paid off in the end. And as soon as you step back, but you just, you just step right back in again because we have the Europeans this week. The Worlds are coming up next month. Before we know it, we're into 2023, which is an Olympic qualification year. So how much are you looking forward to the next weeks, months and years ahead? Yeah, no, it's definitely really exciting. And I think like as a team, we're building a lot of momentum and like there's a lot of speed coming from every boat that's training at the centre right now. So I definitely think it's really exciting going forward. And yeah, there'll definitely be a lot of opportunities, even, you know, in the younger categories coming through as well. You know, looking at the Europeans this week, so what's the, the hope, goal and target and who's the big opposition? Who are the crews that you're looking out for? Yeah, I guess, you know, when you're around racing for the past few years, you do see a lot of the same names pop up. So we would be kind of coming against girls who would have raced in the four back along and everything. But yeah, I think right now, like we've seen the entries and we kind of, oh, we know this person and we had these results against them before. But like at the same time, such changes can make such a short space of time. So we wouldn't be thinking too much about the end goal, really. We're just kind of sticking to the process and sticking to the training we do and approach the races we would any other. And when you left Irish soil the weekend to, to head to Munich for the Europeans, you have a training camp in Varese after that, then, then on to the world. So you're, you're not home for the for the next couple of weeks. But talking about, about, about that training camp, how important is that? And how, how tough will a training camp be at this time of the year, considering the worlds aren't that far away either? Yeah, I guess the training camps would be kind of more intensive coming to this end of the season. So there'd be a lot more shorter kind of race, more race style pieces kind of preparing us for racing at the world's. So it would be intense, but at the same time, like there's so much pressure taken off you in terms of like, you know, our meals are cooked for us. We're driven to training. We don't have to do any kind of minding ourselves as such. We just have to show up, go back to the hotel, get fed, and then just kind of you get optimal recovery in that sense. But um, so, yeah, it really takes a weight off your shoulders in that sense. But um, yeah, no, it's good environment so for some good training and a bit of sunshine. Oh, fantastic. And exciting you ahead, few weeks ahead, Emily. Thank you so much for joining us and best of luck in Munich this week. Perfect. Thank you for having me. Hi, Avril here from Access Credit Union. We are delighted to once again sponsor the Star Sports Podcast. As part of our range of new business loans, we now offer Cultivate Farm Finance, the farmer-friendly loan package. With a Cultivate loan, farmers in West Cork can benefit from the local decision-making and personal service offered by Access Credit Union. To find out more, go to accesscu.ie forward slash cultivate Call me on 085-268-2727 or 028-21883, where a member of our team will be happy to help you with your inquiry. Okay, Kieran. before we wrap up this week, as always, we're going to preview this week's star sports section but before we do i just want to once again flag that in this week's southern star there's a free 24 page death of a legend michael collins centenary supplement and this is a real collector's souvenir for people who are interested in west cork irish and just history generally death of a legend marks the centenary of the passing of the charismatic and ruthless clonakilty man who changed irish history from humble beginnings in West Cork, we chart the life and career of the talented military strategist who became part of the team that put the first cracks in the British Empire. So if you're getting the Southern Star this Thursday, either in the shops or online, don't miss the additional 24-page Michael Collins supplement. But Kieran, more importantly, from your perspective, tell us about this week's sports section. Yeah, it's a 28-page sports section this week, and it's absolutely crammed. It's packed. It's just that that time of the year when all the sports are full go. 
Like we mentioned the European Athletics and Rowing Championships. So we've interviewed Phil Healy with Darren McElhinney and with Emily Hegarty looking ahead to that. We also, um, Matthew Hurley's a lovely piece on Nicola Tuttle, the Kill Britain teenager who finished eight in the world at the World Under 20 um, Athletics Championships in Colombia. She was in action in the Women's Hammer Throw. We've 19 pages of GAA this week. Um, we didn't touch on the Hurling Championships yet in the podcast, but we've a load of match reports and reaction and an analysis from that. Bandon lost, Town lost, Barry Rowe lost, but there were good wins for Kilbritton and Argentine Rangers who are already through to the knockout stages with one game to go. We've previews of the senior football um, games this weekend. We've this, we've talked to the Skibbereen and Island Camps. We've talked to Newcestown. We've talked to Donnie's. We're talking to Bentry and Castletown Bear and the Carby footballers are out again, again quite soon. So we have all that. Can't forget the Carby Junior Football Championships, which is going full steam ahead right now as well. And we're coming off the back of a very busy weekend there. And the crunch weekend is coming up this weekend when the, the quarterfinalists will be decided. And just to note, Randall Og are absolutely flying at the moment. They beat Carby Rangers last week. That was their second group game up at Junior A this year. They've won both. They're top in their group. So they're in good form right now. So there's, a, there's an awful lot going on, including coastal rowing, because the Irish Coastal Rowing Championships will be held in Skull this weekend, this, this Saturday and Sunday. So we'll have a big crowd Big crowd in West Cork for that. So as you can see, Jack, um, there's a lot going on. And that before I finish up, actually, I, I nearly missed it. The Castlehaven ladies won their first ever West Cork adult football title in the weekend just gone. So we have a full page on that, match report and reaction. And of course, we have reaction analysis and comment from from the Croke Park last weekend for both the Cork seniors and intermediates last their All-Ireland finals. And there was also disappointment for Jennifer O'Leary and Armagh in the Premier Junior final. And finally, I caught up with Millie Condon, one of the rising stars of West Cork sport, to chat about the Cork Minor ladies won the All-Ireland A football title last week. Um, Millie has won three All-Irelands this year and incredible for the 17-year-old Benlisgarty teenager. And she is one of, I think there was, there was Emma Hurley from Ireland. There was four players from Clan, Leah Hogan from uh, from Donovan Rasa. So there was huge West Cork interest in this. So you can see, Jack, there, there's a lot of reading in Thursday Southern Star Sport. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, there's lots of reading across the paper, generally with that additional 24-page Michael Collins supplement. And if you can't make it to the shops on Thursday or you're living abroad or on holidays and you still want to pick up this week's Star Sports section, this week's Michael Collins supplement and the main paper, you can always subscribe online. Just go to www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper and subscribe for less than two euro per week. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast and thanks as well to our producer Dylan Mangan. Keep an eye out for a new podcast myself and Dylan are working on which will come out this Thursday. That's called The Death of Michael Collins to coincide with our supplements. So loads of great content across the Southern Star all this week. We'll be back at the same time next week. If you enjoy these shows, please make sure to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Salon Tomo.